This is day seven. So yeah, I uh, basically, uh, okay, good to go. So I missed yesterday. And uh, yesterday should have been my day seven. I was just feeling under so much pressure. I mean, basically what's happened with these, um, with this whole thing is, it was, uh, I was going later and later, and then I kept saying, okay, I'll do it first thing the next morning, but it wasn't happening. Uh, didn't happen, so yesterday I just ran out of time. I was like, I had a lot of work to do. Then I had to eat and all that kind of stuff. I was bloody tired. And also following CNN, all that nonsense going on over there at the moment impeachment or whatever and uh, I realized no I gotta it's a choice between writing or Camino I do some writing got 300 words done hopefully more tomorrow so then today I was going to do this at lunchtime but then my computer started installing updates um, so here I am just after work on uh, what day is it? the uh, 10th Wednesday the 10th of February 2021. Hope you're all doing well. We're following BK here on day two, walking along the gravel from Roncevalles to Viscare, or whatever you call it. Um, I think Viscare might be where I spent the first night. It was six kilometers after Roncevalles, that much I know. So I hope you're all doing well. If anyone's walking along with me, you could walk to the sound. Or you could uh, do treadmill or exercise bike or whatever in, in gym to sound and video. Look at you. And we can hear uh, that uh, BK is uh, quite breathless there. So oh, I'm glad I didn't do yesterday. <clears throat> I think I'm not going to set major goals other than definitely doing it within this year, which is no big deal. And honestly, I want to walk like four kilometers a day anyway. So, you know, I'm going up to 4.4. I'm going to go crazy because if I do that, my heart, um, my Google Fit app will record it as heart minutes. When I go at four, Kilometers the last day recorded none of them. I was like, no, that's not good. I have to, Google Fit has to think I'm fit so that when they sell my data to the insurance companies, they'll go, wow, this guy lived forever. Give me cheap health insurance. That's the plan. Just hope none of them are watching this. That could uh, really blow it all when I, when I go viral. I could be, uh, what a bother. Well, BK is suffering there. I guess it's hillier than it looks. Maybe he's good. Well, he's talking to someone. More Korean. Okay, Annyeong. When Camino? That's all I know. That's not even Korean. So, yeah, Korean Annyeong can be hi or goodbye. Gamsa Hamni does. Thank you. Oma is mother and Opa is father. As I say that, I'm wondering, are they grandmother and grandfather? But no, I, think they're, I don't think they are. Maybe they are in Japanese or something? I don't know. I speak uh, English, obviously. A certain degree of Irish. Bit of French from school. Little bit of German from school. Bit of Russian from living there. And then various swear words in different languages, which I'm not going to repeat, including obviously Russian, but also Serbo-Croat, um, Cantonese, and um, Hungarian. Although it might be Romanian, but a Hungarian woman taught me. I think she said it was Transylvanian. Is there an actual Transylvanian language? I'm not going to repeat it. Something to do with a horse. Said enough. 
Yeah, because you know, normally I say I won't say something and then I do, but no, when it comes to swear words, no. Uh, my philosophy on swear words, I do swear too much sometimes. I don't like a lot of it. I'm not a prude, but it's just, I think save them for when you really need them. But I know if I meet someone new, generally I don't swear in front of them. Um, or here's a big one. As an Irishman, if I'm in England or America, I swear less. Yeah, until I get to know them, maybe. But I swear less in general because I kind of, uh, I made a New Year's resolution, oh, that was a few years ago, not to swear as much. Don't think I succeeded overnight, but I think over the years, yeah, I started swearing less. And I had this weird thing where, and it stayed with me since that day, where I rarely write a swear word. Although there are some in my book. I actually have my narrator not swearing. That was kind of when he was in England, then he was back in Ireland and suddenly swear words arrived. But um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I had a thing where I wouldn't swear in writing, so I'd sometimes put swear words with the you know, asterisks in between. I actually kind of like that, even though I know when I was younger and I'd read it, maybe even still, if I read it in a paper and they asterisk out the words, I'm like, oh, come on, I'm a grown-up. But then I started doing it to myself and I was like, yeah, I like the look of that. Tell you what I don't like, though. If you meet someone for the first time and they're swearing, or here is a big one. If you meet someone on Tinder and then you swap numbers and chat, I think this only happened to me once in a major way where she was swearing, like, really. She didn't look like the type who'd swear, but, yeah, on the phone then, a lot of swearing and, oh, man. I think it was just... No, I, I didn't like it, but I'm also, like... If somebody, if that's the first foot they put forward, I'm like, I mean, maybe she was the one. Maybe she was the elusive one. And I let her go because she was swearing. Maybe it was a test. It's like some sort of fairy tale. The first guy who likes her, even though she swears a lot, she'll turn into a princess who doesn't swear. Oh well. Missed that boat. Got my eyes closed here. I'm not too tired now. It's like, what, it's 6.30 p.m. after work. Got the radiator off, that's good. It's cold out though. It's, I wasn't out today, but it was a bit of snow, I think, kind of wet snow. I'm not big into wet snow, dry snow. There you, now, there you have it. That's the real deal. There was lots of that in Moscow. Dry, powdery snow, oh yeah. Wet snow. It's not even romantic, it's just hassle. Um, I was thinking, you know, to raise some money, maybe I should put a, because you can't see me on video, but I could, uh, like, you know, the Daily Mail and their articles, they often, not that I read it a lot, but mail online or whatever. Since things went online, you end up reading th things you'd never read. Papers you'd never even look at. So, uh, Ended up reading the uh, Daily Mail, Mail Online, and no, that's not what I'm saying. Oh yeah, you know the way they, they have an article about someone and then they have the, here's what they were wearing, and you can buy this here or there. Maybe I should do that. But right now I'm sporting, not even sweatpants, I have two pairs of sweatpants. One is in the laundry basket, the other has mysteriously disappeared. So I put on these other ones I have, they're the kind of thin nylon-y ones and that kind of taper at the bottom with no pockets. So I was trying like, sometimes I'd have my phone and I'd just strap it under my waist like there was, there was nowhere else to put it. I mean, I think I did that on the treadmill at one stage, but just even walk, walking around the house. And then it would slip down my through my waistline and down my leg, get caught at the bottom where it helpfully tapered. And I'd walk around, not for long, but I'd walk down the stairs with my phone, just sort of, you know, resting at the bottom of my sweatpants. 
Uh, don't recommend it, but at least didn't fall out. But uh, so I'm wearing those tapery, shiny kind of navy sweatpants. They're not not great. But actually, you know, the baggy ones look worse than me because I'm not the tallest of gents. So uh, yeah, the taper, like my nice suit. Can't believe it's taken me seven. This is day seven, and I finally mentioned my bespoke suit. And the tailor, you know, he tailored it so that the legs are tapered, makes me look taller. Oh. And then I started buying jeans like that too. I mean, it took me like over 40 years, over 45 years to crack that one. Obviously not the brightest. The woman in the shop was trying on the jeans. And she said, you know, maybe you should try these ones, slim fit. They weren't like skinny jeans. That wouldn't be me now. I was just so used to the normal kind of fit that I'd normally wear. I tried them and I was kind of, oh yeah. And she, she was quite affirmative. No, these are definitely better. And she was being polite. And I said, because uh, they were the same price. It wasn't like she was making more money from them. I, I said, oh yeah. I learned this from the tailor. I said, oh yeah, because they make me look taller, right? And she goes, yeah. But she, um, she was far too polite to say that until I, questioned her, interrogated her. Oh God, is this what it's come to? I'm, I'm talking, I'm giving fashion tips. I'm actually, no, I meant to start this off as anti-fashion tips. So let's continue with the rest of my outfit. So I still have the sandals that I've been wearing. They're kind of like this rubbery kind of sandals, lightweight ones uh, with, with socks on my feet, obviously, best place for them. And uh, sandals with socks is a bit of a fashion faux pas. So then I got those shiny tapered sweatpants, tracksuit bottoms. And then I have this hoodie got from my friend Erin in America. Actually, it's for a company she works with called Hudson River Sloop Clearwater. Founded initially by Pete Seeger. There's my name drop for the day. Hope you're, li if you're listening, Aaron, thanks for the hoodie, I love it. And uh, I've got my the new watch on my left hand, the um, nice Tissot Swiss watch I bought during lockdown, retail therapy. Uh, didn't, didn't make me ecstatically happy, but it certainly, uh, it didn't solve the existential angst at the core of my soul, is what I mean to say. But definitely gives me a better quality of misery, as they say. So yeah, Swiss misery. Swiss-made misery. And then on my right hand, I have a smartwatch that I got recently, which is a bit too big. It was after buying this Samsung smartwatch, that's what we got, thinking, got me thinking about getting a nice, proper, old-fashioned, auto-winding watch. So you have one on each hand. And then I also have, let's see, no, we'll work, we'll work our way up. On my right arm, I have, um, so I got a thing for my phone. Oh yeah, I mean, I couldn't keep, you know, sticking my phone in, into my waistline and have it falling down my leg all the time, so I ordered one of those pouches, or what do they call it? Uh, arm wallet, actually, I see the box there, arm wallet. So I've that on my right arm with the phone slipped into it. And you know, when I ordered it, I kind of thought, uh, well, I'm just I'm doing something good here, I'm doing the Camino, I'm putting it online, maybe someone will like it. Certainly a nice thing to do, it's positive, I get healthy. Now, is this the town I stayed in? with um, Ashley. I probably won't remember, we arrived late at night. Anyway, our place was on the right, I think. So, uh, where was I? Oh yeah, so I ordered the thing, it came pretty quickly, and uh, so yeah, you know, I, I just thought I'm doing something noble or whatever, but you, when I got the arm wallet, as they call it, 
there's something faintly ridiculous about it. And I think, you know, when phones, mobile phones first started, they were quite small, and then the iPhones came out, and smartphones were small in general, then they got bigger and bigger. That's uh, because, speaking, I presume, Korean again. Um, but as a phone, so the arm wallets or the arm bands for holding your phone have been around for a long time. But then the phones got bigger and bigger and the wallets got bigger and bigger. And I just received this and uh, just let me have a look at the package. Oh no, I'm missing the picture. But there's just a picture on it, it wasn't even a photograph. Oh, is this where I stayed? Hold on. That looks like Cyrillic, sort of, but not quite. Alphabet. Didn't get a chance to have a proper look. It's pretty quiet here, isn't it, this town? Pretty quiet. Of course, it's, it's probably quite early in the morning. Um, so the picture is a guy and a girl, like it's just a guy and a woman um, drawing of them walking with smiles on their faces and this huge thick foam strapped to their arm. And even in a picture, it looked ridiculous, a drawn picture, let alone a photograph. And I look at it on my arm and I go, well, it's okay, but it's faintly ridiculous. No two ways about it. So, we got that, then work your way up. Got my lockdown beard, which uh, never grew one until lockdown, but yeah, that's gonna stay in some shape or form probably. It went a bit Unabomber at one stage and then I trimmed it back. Uh, got my glasses. Sort of. They have that vague Buddy Holly-ish thing to it. Not quite, but that sort of thick black thing. Which probably, I only got them recently, probably makes me look posery. Or, or like Buddy Holly. And then uh, I have this cap knitted Wool, woolen knitted cap that my first primary school teacher made for me. And she must be in her 70s or 80s now. I'm thinking 80s, I'm not sure. And uh, she, my brother got in touch with her recently and uh, she used to teach us to knit actually. We used to do knitting in class. Anyway. She knitted him a cap, and then she said she'd knit one for me. I didn't even know this, and then my brother texted me saying, Mrs. Quinn wants your address. I gave my address to my brother, he sent it on to her, and next thing, the cap arrived today. It's really nice. I have to say, especially because my hair is such a mess with lockdown. So, I don't know if I look, I either look amazing, uh, pretentious, stupid, uh, like I have no sense of fashion. Uh, I, I really don't know. I have to confess, I saw myself in the mirror, I thought I looked cool. <laughs> I mean, I hardly see anyone these days. It's just, I see me in the mirror at the odd time and I might as well choose to think I look cool, right? But yeah, the cap. I actually like it, it's just a bunch of all that greasy long hair in there. The beard is semi-respectable. It's a cap, the sort of, they don't call that horn rim, do they? But the black tick let round uh, framed glasses. The cap and the beard almost looks kind of studied, like a studied look. And it most certainly isn't. Um, but then you got a Swiss watch in one hand, a smart watch in the other. Massive phone strapped to my arm. Tapering sweatpants, so I don't know. Sandals with socks. I think it's safe to say I don't look amazing. Interesting might be the look. I, yeah, I might actually look like the kind of guy across the street to get away with from if I was waiting at a bus stop. Not from any sense of physical threat, just since you might get dragged into an awkward, interminable conversation, abstract conversation. 
So BK's caught up with some people here. And he's overtaking, I like that. He's uh, doing a lot of overtaking. And I don't think he gets overtaken much himself, but I admit I haven't been paying too much attention. It's all kind of foggy today in, uh, on this road. So we would still be in Basque territory, that's my understanding. Um, I think I saw Basque kind of graffiti and murals and stuff for the first, I don't know, two, three days. We must be in it now because if we were in French Basque country, then we've just crossed the Pyrenees. So we're going to be in it for a while. I've done no research on this at all. I'm just guessing as I go. So yeah, I'm actually feeling that speed now, the 4.4 kilometers. It's not too bad. I mean, it's not even fast. It's just, yeah, I, uh, I don't work out a lot. Now you see, if I want to strip down Got that bloody phone on my arm. Actually, it's not that hard. It's not that hard, I'm gonna go for it. Then I can, I can look at both my watches when I get bored. And say, oh yes, I bought that one, and I bought that one. And uh, I'm still suffering from Buen Camino, existential angst. Buen Camino. Come on, BK, you're playing a blinder. Ah, he's talking Korean. Okay. Okay, let's uh, let's do this uh, stripping down operation. Avert your gaze. Okay. First off comes this ridiculous phone contraption. Got to get the phone back on. See so how? Oh yeah, the smartwatch is counting my steps, but it overcounts. So this is like says a lot about my personality, my neurosis, my sense of overkill. I basically have my steps are being counted by my phone, my smartwatch, and my treadmill kind of trying to figure which is the most accurate. Like I feel the treadmill should be the most accurate, but maybe not at all. So I've stopped sending my data to Samsung though. I'm like, you can only have so many multinational corporations trying to screw with you. going to overtake soon if these guys would move out of the way, please. He's going to have to... Oh, someone overtook him. Oh, yeah, here we go. There we go. Pole position, nearly. Come on, pole position. You can do it. Narrow road, kind of misty. That's a sort of dull, overcast. Yeah, foggy. Could definitely be Ireland. Definitely. Today is quite nice here in Ireland, actually, in Galway. Um, like minus one or something, but you know, crisp, cold weather. Minus one Celsius, of course. Um, I wasn't out, I just opened the door. <laughs> so, yeah. I should really get out a bit. Mind you, with COVID, you know, can't be too safe. So, but yeah, you know, a nice crisp day like today, I should walk outside, but actually, yeah, I was working all day. Uh, lunchtime, computer acted up. If I'd known the computer was gonna act up, I might have just gone out for a walk in the fresh air. But, uh, anyway, and then it's too dark to walk outside now. 
Well, I could, but you just end up walking beside the main road, so I kind of prefer this, walking with BK, imagining I'm in the in country lane outside of Ancelias. I'm trying to think what that region is called. I don't know. I know the last place is Galicia, or Galicia, Galicia. That's where Santiago de Compostela is. There's also Leon, there's a region called something E. Leon. Ah, this region, I can't remember at all. It's time for the fan. Put it on low, okay. And some water. Don't forget to hydrate. I'm like the opposite, I think, of these guys who do Zoom sessions. What's the guy, Joe Wick, isn't that his name? I'm pretty much the opposite of him. They're always shouting at you to do hard things. I'm like saying, no, just relax, do easy things. Listen to my jokes. <laughs> I'll sneak in a little bit of philosophy, religion, a couple of life hacks. You won't even notice, but gradually you'll be a better person. And then someday, Maybe like 10 years from now, you'll find yourself on a treadmill in your house alone with two cats and it'll suddenly hit you. Oh my God, I've changed. Like, obviously in a good way. Thank you, James. St. James, Santiago. Okay. You're welcome in advance. In fact, you're welcome. I can say it right now. We're both we're all coexisting in time, so I'm saying you're welcome. Uh, anytime. You can get me a pint if you see me. So. Okay. 27 minutes, I've nearly covered two kilometers. And uh, what did I have on my list to talk about once? Oh yeah, so we had miracles on the list yesterday. Made an attempt, or the day before yesterday, I made an attempt to talk about that. That didn't go so well. Let's park that for later. I made a note, acting the clown. So that's really about me. I guess people learn different kind of, develop different personas when they're young for whatever reason, whatever psychological purpose it serves, or obviously something to do with their DNA as well, I presume. I suppose acting the clown was one aspect of my persona. And it's interesting to see how that's carried on through life. I mean, I actually can be pretty serious as well. And there's some people who met me who probably only saw the serious side, but, uh, but I do the acting the clown thing and uh, Rubs a lot of people up the wrong way, I think. I mean, I'm too bloody sensitive to know, but I know sometimes it does. And I do it on work calls, you know, work uh, Zoom set meetings or Zoom sessions. What I notice is when I do the joking thing, some people will bounce it back to me, but I'll always be the butt of their joke. Now maybe sometimes they're the butt of mine, but often I'm the butt of my own joke. And it's almost like I'm inviting ridicule. I've noticed, and then people insult me uh, as in the name of humor. And I'm like, why did they do that, you know? I notice like other people don't get that shit, that stuff. So it's like, it's interesting to look at that. Why are you attracting these things? It's like, I have a label in my head saying, yeah, I'm willing and ready to take abuse. But I'm not as willing and ready now. I do find, in terms of acting the clown, a lot of my weird humour and putting it into the book I'm writing. I mean, I'm definitely struggling with that at the moment. And I kind of realise some of what, a lot of what I'm writing, the voice is getting a bit too gimmicky. It's because I'm not clear about the story. That's OK. It's OK. Don't have to fix it all at once. It's really important to get a first draft down. And I know there's moments in it that are quite serious, that are 
could end up being the best moments in it. But I think a certain amount of humour will remain. It had better, I mean, if you took all the so-called, let's just say, we call it humour. Obviously, that's subjective, but it's essentially humour. Good, bad, or indifferent. If you took all that out, oh my God, yeah. But that's the thing, writing a book in a humorous voice is actually quite tricky. But in the next pass, might allow more of the kind of, um, what's the word, vulnerability in. There is some of it there, and it comes through at times. And you know what? I don't even know until I get the first pass done. So, so uh, we'll see. Might have to slow down at some stage. 4.4 kilometers an hour isn't a lot, considering I've inclined at one, which is nothing. And uh, yeah, it's. I've no pack in my back. I could have done that to make it more realistic, but no, I mean, like, it's realistic enough for me. Let's hope I get back into the early morning routine a bit, so that's time wise, makes the most sense. So, just check my two watches, make sure they're both synced. Oh, yeah. They're both uh, telling me the time and the date. And uh, the smartwatch at some stage will detect a workout. Mind you, it should have detected it by now. What the hell? It will eventually, I think. It'll backdate it. My phone is hard to access because it's wrapped up in that ridiculous arm wallet. I remember the first mobile phone I saw. It, it wasn't a mobile phone as we know them today. It was, um, but in Kojak, the TV series, which is from the 70s. So I was born in 71, so I probably caught it like late 70s, early 80s, whatever. I remember he had a phone in the back of his car. I was, wow. And it was like those old fashioned phones with the big heavy, handset on it. I presume it had a dialing mechanism, or maybe he could only get calls from his office on it. I don't know. But I was saying to my dad, wow, how does that work? I think he kind of explained that, no, it's rigged up via his office, so that'll be on a, you know... Where was that set? Was that San Francisco? Or New York? Probably New York. God, I can't remember. But... It was probably a radio signal just that would, you know, link his car phone to the office. Essentially, it was a type of mobile phone. You wouldn't have one of those strapped to your arm, though. Although, yeah, when the proper mobile phones first arrived, remember the big battery packs? Of course, my younger listeners, of whom there are many, won't remember. You'd carry a big pack with the phone that was essentially the battery and maybe it was a transmitter and receiver as well actually it was kind of hilarious um i kind of like all that old old new technology though kind of clunky stuff used to have a show called tomorrow's world on tv when i was a kid from a bbc show you wouldn't really i don't think there's any equivalent of it now i think that was a that was in the era of the microchip and Lots of things were developing and changing, and um, they, they kind of knew they could predict the future, you know, from this technology, like here's what we can do now, and here's what we'll be able to do in a few years. And uh, all seemed very exciting. I was into it, computers and stuff to a certain degree. Yeah, I guess, a bit of a geek. I liked that show. Now, still walking along a misty path in rural Spain. So, um, got 26 minutes to go, roughly. And I really 
don't know what to talk about. Acting the clown. That's something I'm kind of sitting with more nowadays and gone. What I find is when I put the humour into the book, that's a better outlet. And uh, rather than be annoyed with people for maybe picking on me sometimes, to stand back and figure out why, what, how am I putting myself forward? I'm giving the message that that's okay. I have a really strange story that I might as well tell now, actually, because I just can't think of anything else. Which somehow I thought of when I was talking about me having people pick on me. And it's quite bizarre, and when I tell it, it sounds like something made up, but it's gospel truth. So when I was about six or something, I was in primary school. I was in like high infants, as they call it. I was really young. It's one of my earliest memories. And we had the, um, the girls' school. Yeah, we were in the same, there was the first two years, low infants and high infants was a mix. And then they split up. So we were in the same school as the girls for that one. And I'm sitting out the back, behind the basketball court on a hill, grassy sort of hill. And, um, I mean, small hill. And, no, I may have been standing, but I came across two girls who were older than me. I mean, in my head, I was so little, they seemed really old. I suspect they were, yeah, they could have been like 13 or something. They started asking me, did I know where babies come from? And I said, uh, like, where did my parents get me, they asked me. I mean, it's pretty obvious what they were staring at there, but of course I had a clue. And I said, oh, I think that they got me in a shop. That was the best kind of theory I could come up with. And they found that amusing, of course. But um, they were sitting on a coat, or in two coats. But one of them said, do you want to sit down beside us? And she patted her coat, and I went to sit down. And as I went to sit down to put my hand on the ground on the coat to lower myself down, she pulled the coat with the corner of the coat away, and there was a nettle underneath, and I stung my hand. And uh, God, it used to trouble me more that thought. I mean, the kind of meanness of doing that to a little child is hard to grapple with. But you know, people are capable of doing mean things. And actually, I can think of times, maybe later in life, maybe when I was around 13, where I could be mean. I would have been picked on physically, but then I found a way of using humor to, cutting humor to get back at people. But I also remember choking a guy, not like hard, joking playfully, who was bigger than me, like most guys were, and could have beaten me up, but obviously I knew he wouldn't. And I was doing it as a joke. It feels, um, even just confessing it here, feels shameful. And I remember he was, started crying. And uh, that's, it's not a good thought. I mean, I knew him for a long time after that, and you know. That was an isolated incident. I can think of people in our class who, some girls I was mean to, who were, would have been considered swats or whatever. So uh, my point is, it's not. I'm not going on a big confession. It's just to say, kids can be really mean, and I guess that's why parents need to. Remind us, remind them not to. I mean, it's interesting. It's all about power dynamics, isn't it? So those two girls, I actually that came up on one of those courses I did in England on New Year's Eve a couple of years ago. It's one of those things I reprocessed it and really let it go with kind of forgiveness because the fact they would do that 
I mean, well, one of them in particular, and it was premeditated, it, it seems, would suggest they must have been damaged themselves. On the other hand, maybe not. Maybe kids can just be mean. I, uh, I'm not equipped to analyze that. But I'm telling that story, it just came into my mind when I was talking about being picked on. And I know it feels like I've attracted sometimes negative attention from women. And not all women, but certain women over the years. And I've, and guys too, but it's the women thing in particular I'm thinking of, and I've kind of accepted it. Oh, my phone is beeping like mad. Someone telling me to shut up. Remember, okay, I'm going to mention Russell Brand, which will, he's kind of divisive, but I like the guy, if you haven't heard from Google him. He was talking on YouTube to someone, and he was saying about um, how uh, you could, um, you could find yourself, if you're in a certain place in your head, and he was talking in this case about women, but you could, oh, my phone's going crazy. Um, as my friend Dara, he said, I'll give you a shout later. Okay, Dara. Look forward to that. Um, he was talking about, so, okay, if you're in a certain space in your head, you might attract a certain type of woman. Or man, okay? He was talking about women. And, but he also said, or if you're in a certain space in your head, you might attract that part of someone else, that space in their head. In other words, it's not that you're even attracting a bad person, but you're attracting the bad parts of that person. Let's park the word bad. I don't know, dark or something. I don't know. I think um, some sort of non-dualistic outlook seems to me, it's something I've heard a bit about seems to be the only way forward. This whole dualistic good and bad thing, I don't think, I don't think it works. And you know, we, I guess that idea of condemn the sin, not the sinner, I prefer, I somewhat like that idea, but we see people, I remember this guy in Canada I read about, and I won't go into it here, but just, you know, committed some really bad criminal acts. Was obviously clearly not well in the head and uh, is in jail for life now, and, you know, rightly so. But I remember reading an article by a Canadian journalist saying, talking about, oh, this guy is evil and he's terrible and all that. And I'm kind of reading it going. And I, and I got that when we have stories like that in Ireland too. I'm reading it going, you know, do you really think I need you to tell me that what he did is wrong? Like they're kind of stating the obvious. And what I think about it is like taking the high moral ground just because we don't do those things. Okay, first of all, obviously some sickness at play. Some people like to call it evil and just say it's pure evil, that's it, nothing else. Fair enough. I'm not denying the idea, the concept of good and evil. Although I think there's something that, there are things that are within all of us. That's not the easiest part to look at, of course. So yeah, the old tabloid headlines are a lot easier to cling on to. But it's just, I don't think, most people don't wake up every day with sick thoughts of depraved things they want to do. And then, we, and then you go, but no, I'm a good guy, I'm a Christian, or even a good atheist, or whatever, and you know, I know right and wrong, and even though I'd love to do all those weird things, I'm not gonna do them. Like most people don't grapple with those sick and disturbed thoughts. So, the moralizing 
I don't know. And the people who over-moralize, sometimes one has to wonder, is it, you know, a sense of hiding in plain sight or something? I don't want to get into that. Also, this is getting too negative, but what I'm really trying to say is, <laughs> I haven't a clue what I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm just glad, for my sake, I'm managing to keep saying things. That's, keep walking, keep saying things, that's the plan. The thought that no one had ever heard, oh, did we just jump in time there? We did. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder what happened there, eh, BK? Did he have to change battery? He's saying, Buenos Dias, he's saying hello. He's not saying Buen Camino. Oh, yeah, so he's obviously walking with at least one Korean person, okay. I'm beginning to figure it all out, BK. This puzzle you've laid out for us. Bet you never thought you'd get some, oh, was that an edit there again? Not sure, I looked away. Bet you never thought you'd get some guy in Ireland to following this on a treadmill, huh? That's the world we live in today. It's kind of fun. There's worse things you could be doing. Of course, the other thing you could say is, who do you think you are? There's a classic Irish put down. Who do you think you are? Or, aren't you good to yourself? That's another classic Irish one. Aren't you good to yourself? Don't ever be good to yourself. That's not allowed. And if you do something good, always say it's crap. Say, oh, it's not that good. That's them's the rules. I didn't make them up. Okay. Let's put the fan on high here. Kind of digging the two watch look, actually, watching each time, which is not really a diggable look, I'm sure, but I don't know. You know, it's brought a little excitement to my day. It's for my diary for today, my memoirs, you know, I think the whole two watch thing is going to make it be the main entry for today. And, uh, I never read uh, what Marcel Proust, what's it, in memory of time forgotten or something? Uh, what's it, a recherche temps perdu? Searching for lost times? Whatever, you know the one. I actually downloaded an audiobook of it, of the first book, from my dad. I've been getting them audiobooks. I might listen to it myself, though. And, uh, there is another debate to be had, audiobooks, yay or nay. I like them. Some people say it's not the same as reading. It actually depends on how you take information in. Some people take in information better through audio than through visual. Um, it is a different experience, but I, I remember someone saying to me, it's my friend Kevin, actually, if, if you're listening, Kevin, won't say anymore, we won't give the surname away. Said, uh, it's like, that's like watching a TV adaptation and saying you read the book. Now, in fairness, that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, an audiobook is all the words. And when I listened to them, it got me back reading again at a time when I was really lethargic and just struggling with concentration and energy got me reading again, or okay, listening, listening to books again. Either way, it got me consuming books. But like, it's, for me, it's all words. And it's like, sometimes when I listen to the words, I'm almost visualizing them too. So, as I said, it is a different experience. Uh, I think to say, there was an article in The Guardian about it, and said the kind of people who would complain about audiobooks not being the real deal, are the kind of people who complain about everything anyway. So each to their own, I guess. But um, I read Ulysses last year. I must have mentioned that already. I mean, that's the kind of thing you're going to drop into a conversation early on, just to kind of separate the men from the mice. 
just to put it out there, you're dealing with an intellectual heavyweight here. This guy don't mess around. But yeah, no, I read it with uh, my friends Mike and Maraid there last year. What we did was we actually listened and read at the same time, which was a good way to do it. We had, um, I had a copy of it on my Kindle, as did Mike and Maraid, or Mike had a hard copy or something. And we also had um, a great uh, production by RTE, the Irish um, national station. Did a radio production back in the 80s. It was excellent for the big cast of actors. There's also another famous reading by uh, the actor Jim Norton. I was going to say Ed Edward Norton, but not Jim Norton, who apparently has done um, At Swim Two Birds as well, which is on my list, um, by uh, Flan O'Brien, a.k.a. Miles Nagopolin, a.k.a. Brian O'Nolan. He's had a few different names. That would have been written as Flan O'Brien. Yeah. I think, yes. So, um, why did I mention Ulysses? Obviously, to use up time. What better subject than Ulysses to use up time? But yeah, did that as audio and reading. Found that really good. I would like someday maybe to do... I'll tell you how I first did it. So, RT were playing it on the radio in one go over... 26 or 28 hours. So I put it on in the morning, had it on while I was working, went for a walk, had it on headphones when I was walking, had it on in bed while I was sleeping. So I had I experienced the whole thing. Woke up the next day, working from home, which helped. Uh, I again, continued my work with that on in the background. And I basically absorbed the whole thing. And it kind of demystified it for me because I wasn't trying to follow it. I also realized a lot of it was quite funny. And, uh, and then a lot of it, bits I didn't understand, but just felt kind of musical. So that kind of laid the ground for me. So then when we, three of us read it and listened, and we did our little book club once a week. I mean, there were times we got a bit delayed or whatever, but we had it read within, I suppose, six months. It was. Basically, the RTE thing had broken it into 18 episodes, so we were sort of meant to do it in 18 weeks, but the longer ones we broke up into smaller bits. And then one of us would lose the will for a bit, and will to live, and come back. Anyway, it's great to finish it. It's actually, I have to pinch myself and go, wow, I finished Ulysses. But the one thing I didn't hear enough about, about it before was the humor in it. It was great. And, uh, I might do that for one session, see if I can, how much I remember about Ulysses in an hour. Can I talk for an hour about it? I'd say I can, and try and talk about it chronologically. I know I can feel my audience getting excited thinking about that. So, um, there's a bit on Sandy Mount Strand, which it transpires is one of the famous bits. That was actually my favorite episode. Molly's, um, Molly Bloom's soliloquy at the end will be up there too. And then first time we meet Bloom is good. Stephen Dedalus, he's bloody hard work though. He's, I feel that he's meant to be Joyce and I do feel he's mocking himself a little there too. His own seriousness or slash maybe even pretentiousness. But some great humor in it, definitely. Not much happens, but uh, a lot happens in people's heads, especially in Bloom's head, I suppose. And uh, interesting portrayal of Dublin at that time, turn of the century. Like, I just forget, that's not that long ago, really. And, uh, okay, 120 years ago, but it's, it's not that long ago. It's just the fact they had horses, though, everywhere. And the way he described the smell of the, well, the, the horse excrement and the straw and the breath of the horses actually made it more real for me than any film footage I've seen of that. And also the fact that Dublin was, and that Ireland was under British rule at the time, and the conflicting views people had about that. Um, 
Yeah, it was interesting. I've been to a couple of the pubs. Well, what's the famous one? McDay's. Um, it's the famous one in the United States. I've used to drink in Mulligan's in Dublin, where in Poolbeck Street, where apparently Joyce used to drink. And uh, I was there with an Italian friend some years ago, former student of mine, who was quite um, well informed about matters literary and everything. And so he was well familiar with Joyce, and I, that could be why I suggested Mulligan's. We're having a cheeky afternoon pint of Guinness, I think. And, uh, uh, or, well, let's say evening, it makes me sound better. American dude walks in with his wife, partner, and uh, they're kind of wearing denims, leather jacket, he's got long hair, cowboy boots. Goes, hey, uh, we're just in off a, hold on, what's he saying? Is he talking? Speaking? Now, anyway, the American says, we're just in off a cruise ship here for a couple of days, what do you recommend? I was like, well, James Joyce used to drink in this bar, for instance. He goes, James Joyce, who's that? I said, well, famous Irish writer. He goes, uh, Joyce, never heard of him. We're from Hawaii. So that was that. So I don't know. I ran out of things to say to him after that. I remember saying to someone on the Camino, actually, an Italian guy, I mentioned James Joyce, and he hadn't heard of them. A guy I met from Galway. Uh, who was at the table with us was saying to me, well, you know, name any Italian writers. And I said, well, Dante, Umberto Eco. I think that's all I could think of. But I kind of said, like, Joyce, he's not just famous for being Irish. He did uh, change, you know, was one of the early modernists. He certainly changed literature in a huge way. So... Uh, I'm not one for thinking, oh yeah, just because he's Irish, everybody should know him. That's certainly not my bag at all. But actually, yeah, just thinking about an Irish guy I met on the Camino. He was, I found him when I was in company, being a little mean to me. And then when, when I was, met him on our, when we were on our own, he was quite nice. And... Uh, I don't know, there is that Irish thing of people say they're only having a go at you, it's only a bit of fun, but it isn't always only a bit of fun. And I just remember thinking, God, so far away from home, can you not just park it? But in fairness, when I met him on his own, he was fine. We all have our shit anyway, we all have our stuff. And uh, Camino, tough things like the Camino bring out the bad and hopefully a little bit of good if there's any in there, which of course there is. So I'm getting near the end of the 58 minutes, or the of the hour rather, and uh, I haven't a clue what I'm going to call this episode. Um, I'll figure out something. So glad I didn't miss more than a day. You know, if I missed two or three unless I'm sick or something. But even if I'm sick, if I miss two or three, that's a slippery slope to annihilation. So, it's a nice thing to do, you know, just even to make sure I get that four kilometers or a bit more every day. Um, and remember the Camino. Why is he holding his stick out? Oh. We'll never know. It's the first time I said that today. I should I could aim to try and do it on every podcast. We never know. But it could get really tiresome. I don't think it's gonna be remembered as one of the great comedic catchphrases of all time. But then again, people don't know that at the time. What's it the last line from Some Like It Hot? Well, it's kind of just written as a placeholder, and they didn't come up with anything better. That became kind of famous. Nobody's perfect, is the line. Out of context, doesn't sound that funny, I guess, but yeah, it's a famous line. So let's see how we're doing. 
Oh yeah. Nerdy there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, God bless. Buen Camino. Be good. And, uh,